Uh oh. Did your battery die? I hope your battery didn't die. Oh, it's just on a time delay. Bentley is in his car recording. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a close one. I was going to be recording forever. He's not homeless, I promise. It's a good sound studio. <laughs> Welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. This is Bentley Brown. Alongside me via video call is Asad Asan. After the Jaguars dropped a close one to 24 to 20 to the Green Bay Packers. I don't think you expected this to happen. I was I was sick to my stomach thinking that the Jaguars were going to win this week. That they would pull off the upset. Jaguars gonna jag, especially when it's least expected. How did it feel to watch this game? Well, hello, first of all. I had a great time watching the game. I, I think I texted you and I said, are you watching the game? I don't want to spoil it ever for you. Overall, it was a win-win, right? Once again, we play a close game. We show potential. We, we show something, you know, show that we want to be out there. And we still lose, which is honestly best case. As much as I, like in the moment, I want us to win. But when the game's over, I'm like, okay, I can accept this, you know? I loved it. I mean, I saw some promise. Like the defense was flying around the was that our defense? That wasn't the Jaguars' defense, was it? These are all great questions. So, you know, with Zoom and the pandemic and stuff, I was doing this online film festival Q&A throughout the beginning of the game. So I, I had to catch up super late. I already had family texting me, sending me memes and GIFs and shit. This, this is what Bentley looks like as Bentley watches the, the Packers versus Jaguars. It's like, baby yoda eating jello or some shit <laughs> so i had no idea what was going on and i'm curious when you texted me the first time to check and and you you said it was a good game what what was happening then like what had already clicked with you that holy shit we're in for a good one i was thinking it was after keelan cole's return but then i was like i don't think it was then it might have been after halftime or something the game was close the whole the whole time at any time i could have texted you and be like yeah it's, it's a good game yeah and also as I was watching the game, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on, who's going to win, all this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and I, could, I couldn't tell if you were loving the game because it was truly like an epic all-around team performance game or if you were loving the game because Keelan Cole was off the chains <laughs> doing superhuman stuff. Plus, Sidney Jones on the defense. I know you like a good lockdown corner. You like that physical DB play. And we had we had a lot of it. Even C.J. Henderson come up with that uh, uh, forced fumble. I mean, it was anything could happen. Early in the game, Sidney Jones got burnt. It was man on man coverage, and he had uh, Marquise Valdez Candling. And of course, the safe it was single high safety, so the safety is going to play towards Devonte Adams' side, obviously. And Sidney Jones got burnt, plain and simple. You know, he was, he was playing up, but I mean, you you got to live with that. That's what happens when you play man coverage and play tight like that which i was okay with but the interception later great play i think sydney played great i think cj henderson played pretty well too and they were really physical with Devonta adams which was really nice to see these are two guys that i would like to see going forward like these are our starting corners for next year i would think right one of the criti criticisms on cj henderson is from day one when we saw him unfortunately via tape delay <laughs> 
not reacting to being picked by the Jaguars. Okay, this is this is a time delay thing. So it looked like he was pissed off and he couldn't couldn't be moved <laughs> off the couch when he was selected with the number nine overall pick. To today, with the exception of like the interception after the Colts game, um, and maybe a couple other uh, strong moments throughout the season, some some people I've heard criticize him as not being a clearly motivated player. Uh, Duval Hotex pointed out that he doesn't look like he enjoys the game of football. Have you seen that as well, or do you think that's kind of a misread of his personality? I would say that's a misread of his personality. You can't always judge guys on the body language, you know? Because, like, for example, you see DJ Chark, he's very animated, usually, right? And then you saw when Minshew started struggling and he was getting frustrated that the body language changed. Some guys are just locked in and they're they're ready to play football, man, especially corners. And maybe that's just not who he is, right? Not everyone has the same personality type. They're all humans, right? Like me and you, we're different people. Maybe he just approaches the game differently. The way he plays is what shows me that he cares. I mean, people dragged him for not being a good tackler coming out. And that's been one of his biggest strengths, I think. I think he's been an excellent tacker, tackler this year. And he was really aggressive on Devontae Adams. Uh, a play, I, I don't know if it was in the first, first or second quarter, but got right up on him, hit him, freed the ball loose. It wasn't the fumble. I think he's great. I, I don't believe any of that crap. On Jaguars happy hour, Pete Prisco, J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli were pointing out that Taven Bryan and Caleb on Chason were absent from the stat sheet. This is kind of disheartening for a team that in recent history has had a fairly strong defensive line. Of course, we've had some major woes this year. One player, however, that showed up big was Devon Hamilton, who's been improving game after game. When you look at the defensive line and you look at the players I mentioned in general, what comes to mind? Where are we? You know, you would think a lot of it's not clear cut, but to me, it kind of is, right? Like, we know Josh Allen can play. We know he's good. And I think he has a potential to be a star. Chase on, on the other side, they were bringing this up on uh, Jaguars Happy Hour, actually, talking about Josh Allen's first-year production versus Chase on's first-year production. Because he has zero sacks? Is that correct, Chason? I think he got one sack in the second or third Did game. Did he? I, I didn't know if they credited to him. And they were bringing up maybe Josh Allen's sacks were attributed to having Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe on that same line. But I don't know. And then they talked about winning. I I don't see Chason winning much, you know, like beating his guy every time, right? You see that from Josh Allen a lot. Even though if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, I think Josh Allen is a really good pass rusher. When it comes to the middle, which is something we've emphasized is run stopping and just having, you know, a big guy in the middle that can control things. I think Hamilton's done a fantastic job. He's been great, man. Right now, you got to be thinking Hamilton is a better pick than Chase on, right? Like, how could you think differently based on what you've seen? Yeah, that's a great point. And and that you, since you mentioned, you know, picking in the draft here, I'm curious if the Jaguars will for sure, almost for sure, be drafting a quarterback. I, I can't imagine a scenario in which we don't draft a quarterback unless we start winning a string of games, which, which ironic to say, would suck. Yeah, it would. Even then, I think we'd have, you know, we'd have two first-round picks. We'd have draft capital to at least try to make a move up to Justin Fields, to try, at least to attempt to do it. And we we're probably going to be so quarterback-happy that we'll probably pick a quarterback no matter what, even if we miss on 
Lawrence and Fields, which may or may not be a good thing based on past experience, would not be uh, an amazing thing. Definitely. What is our team's need after quarterback? Like, So let's say we do pick a quarterback with that first pick. What about the second pick in the first round? Where, where are we going? Uh, I think this is pretty clear cut, too. It has to be tight end. I mean, we haven't had a tight end since Mercedes Lewis. And, like, you know, he was a little older in his last couple of years in Jacksonville. But a tight end has become such like a, it's a big thing now in the NFL. You know, you see these tight ends that are dominating thousand yard seasons, the Kelsey Kittle, they get it going every year. Mark Andrews has been great for Lamar Jackson. And it's a good security blanket, especially for a young quarterback. You know, if we draft a rookie, please, if we draft a rookie, he'll have a security blanket, another rookie. And everyone's talking about Kyle Pitts, uh, the Florida tight end. And he's great. I've seen him play. He's, he's incredible. Other than that, I don't know any other tight ends, but tight end is a huge need. I mean, Tyler Eifert, we picked him up, but it was kind of like a shot in the dark. Like, all right, if he's healthy, like he has the potential to play well. He hasn't been that great. So I would say tight end for sure. And then if not, maybe safety is my guess. Safety or O-line, somewhere on the O-line, depending on what happens with Cam Robinson. So, I mean, there's so many questions. We We can never figure it out, but quarterback comes first. We know that. I guess tight end, if we draft a tight end first round would be like, or have to be the, the best tight end of the draft. He'd be the best. Kyle Pitts will, will be the first tight end off no matter what. So depending on where he goes. Another, another one is uh, good old buddy Doug Marone showed some emotion this week and dropped an F-bomb that has been quoted and cited and referenced like at least 30 times <laughs> on my Twitter feed and, and articles and stuff. I love this kind of thing, yep. right? Someone knowing that not professionally accepted way to express yourself, but it was awesome to hear. He was asked basically, how does it feel to be this close to beating the Packers, um, you know, and a future Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he just turned the answer the opposite direction, said that no matter what, every time you lose, it it sucks. And it feels like a piece of your heart's being ripped out. You know, I saw John Shipley wrote for Sports Illustrated, the Jaguars fan base is excited about this near win, moral victory, a lot of improvement on behalf of our young players, but we still want to lose <laughs> in order to tank. <laughs> and was pointing out that, like, wait a second, there's still a lot of endemic issues here, one of them being the coach. Do you think that the narrative around Doug Marone has changed this week? I don't know, man. It's a tough one to answer. But to me, like, they keep going back to saying, oh, like you love to see this competitiveness out of your coach. Doug Marone's a competitor, right? And it's good to have that as a coach. But I got to ask you a question. Which coach isn't competitive and doesn't want to win and doesn't feel that way after they lose? I honestly think every coach feels that way. Obviously, he's frustrated. I would be too because for fans, it's a win. For the team, yeah, they feel like crap about it, but it's a win. For everyone, it's a win except Doug Marone and maybe Dave Caldwell, right? Because these guys, they can't lose. You can't keep a 1-15 coach, a 2-14 coach. Like, what if we go 2-14 or 1-15? Not many coaches in the NFL will get this kind of treatment that Doug Marone's getting. So I think he's starting to get a little worried that he's going to lose his job and maybe one big win against a really good team could have saved him. Mm. Let's do the whole hypothetical scenario if we had drafted trevor lawrence this year with otherwise the exact same roster and same coaching staff 
What would our record be right now instead of one and eight? I hate these questions. I'd probably say five and four, though. The quarterback play has been huge in us losing. I mean, it hasn't been like one of those back burners. Like, yeah, I get it. The defense has played like shit, but there's been games where they've, you know, at least held us in the game. There's been close games we've been in. And the quarterback has fucked up a lot of a lot of what's going on, you know? Can't stay on the field. I mean, everything everything ties into each other, you know? Quarterback doesn't play well. Defense is on the field more. We'll probably give up more points. It's pretty simple. I would say five and four. But it's a tough question. Now, if the Jaguars were five and four with Trevor Lawrence this year, hypothetically, Doug Marone's the coach. Does Doug Marone get fired at the end of the season? No, not if they go five hundred or even seven and nine. I doubt it. So then, should Doug Marone get fi- be fired? <laughs> yes, it's not as much about him as it is about the Jaguars and moving on and moving forward and trying to be better. I mean, I think he's a good coach, but it's not trending towards a direction where like everyone's going in the NFL. You know. Another topic this week that was interesting is Jake Luton. So coming in for an injured Minshew, Minshew who's injured probably like a month and a half ago, but hid, hid his uh, fractures in his thumb just to maximize his chance of staying on the field. So Minshew's out right now, and I think the Jaguars are kind of conveniently using Minshew being benched for injury as a chance to try out Jake Luton, just to see kind of what they have at quarterback. Luton, as we talked about before, is uh, in the sense of prototype, different than Minshew. He's taller, he's bigger, stronger arm. Um, He's probably less mobile Mm -hmm. overall, but one of Minshew's issues that, well, Minshew's issues, that's a tough one to say. Minshew. One of Minshew's, that would be an amazing f***ing title for an episode. I hope Minshew comes back so we can have an episode called (laughs) Minshew's Issues. All right, so one of Minshew's issues is Happy Feet, where he starts uh, scrambling out of the pocket way too early, when he could have stepped up gone through his reads, and made an effective play. And Luton appears to be doing that much better uh, and and making some of those plays, including that touchdown pass to, that was Keelan Cole, right, who caught it in traffic. Uh, really, really well-thrown ball. Um, and, and really, really nice to see a quarterback be able to make those kind of throws and not get demoralized by uh, some other bad plays here and there. What's your read on the status of the Jaguars at quarterback apart from drafting someone in the upcoming NFL draft? Is it basically a battle of Minshew and Luton to see who stays on the team next year? And do you think the Jaguars actually pick that person? Um, maybe maybe both of them stay on the roster. Who knows? And we've got three quarterbacks on the roster right now. Do they pick that person based on factors other than prototypical traits in other words, you know, Minshew's got charisma. People, the fan base loves Minshew. Is he going to stick around no matter what? Minshew might come in as a good backup quarterback, Fitzpatrick, Doug Flutie style, and win some games just based off of charisma. Maybe Luton is a better overall backup who might not come out without energy as fast. But what's your what's your read on the quarterback situation? None of the these two are not the future, right? And it's like you're right. It's who's going to be the backup next year. If you were asking me who you want to start the rest of the season for the Jaguars, this season, I would say Jake Luton. But if you ask me who I wanted to be the backup next year, I would say Gardner Minshew. He's won games in this league, for one. Right? Don't care if he's a rookie. Don't. I'm going to throw all that shit out the window. He's won games. He's made plays to win games. Game-winning drives, you know? And clutch plays. 
the uh, he's a backup quarterback, and I think he'll be great at it. I think he'll be great on the sidelines. I think guys love having him around. And when you need someone to come in, he can be a game manager, which is usually what you want in a backup. Someone that can go in, control the game, and just kind of, kind of do what he does, you know, while the starter's gone. I think Gardner Minshew, honestly, will be the backup going forward next year. And I don't know if Luton will be on the roster or what, what his story will be, but only time will tell because we have to see what he does, Luton does, especially against the Steelers this weekend which will be a great test and it'll tell us a lot more about what we want to know and give us answers. Uh, this is fascinating stuff, man. I, I kind of want to offer another perspective too about Minshew. Minshew in the last, what is it, like five years now has been a journeyman quarterback, even in college. Right. <laughs> He's gone from school to school, opportunity to opportunity. Uh, I would say almost always overachieved. I mean, even if even if we're saying, okay, maybe Luton might might, might have a chance to be a slightly more consistent quarterback option for the Jaguars for the rest of the season here. The fact that, first of all, either one of them is like six-round draft picks, but especially Minshew, who people were down on because of his uh, arm strength and whatever, lack of pedigree, I guess, if if that's a fair thing to say. The fact that this guy was even named a freaking NFL starter, undisputed, for an NFL franchise this year, is probably beyond expectations for him you know, from like three or four years ago. So I'm I'm actually curious if Minshew is such a personality and if he's up for that challenge and he really wants to be playing and starting at the top level, I'm just curious if he might get shipped off almost like Nick Foles style, obviously not with like, you know, uh, any sort of salary cap <laughs> concerns, but <laughs> in the least bit. But if, if, he's, if he's looking for that kind of opportunity to go off to, you know, someone else, some other team that has one of these bottom thir- bottom 20s uh, uh, starting quarterbacks who might get injured and then Minshew has a chance to go in and win the hearts of another city. Yeah, that can happen. But, I mean, I feel like the same thing could happen in Jacksonville, even next year. Rookie could come in, get hurt. Anything can happen, right? A backup always ha- always has to be ready. So I don't know, like, what his why he would want to leave, especially when he has a fan base. You know, they love him. We'll see. I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's tricky to judge right now. Our eyes should just be on the prize, which is losing and drafting a quarterback, man. So speaking of losing, how do you feel about the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up? Ah, our, probably your second most hated team, right? Behind the Titans, even though they're not divisional, right? Steelers. We got history. They used to be division. So there you go. And we've had, you know, we almost ended Ben Roethlisberger's career three years ago. Maybe we can do it again. This could be a trap game. People say Pittsburgh plays down to their competition. We saw what happened with them against Dallas where they were kind of flat, you know? They're an interesting team. You could say history, you know, sides of the Jaguars, but if you look at everything else around it, the Steelers aren't defeated. The Jaguars have lost eight in a row. That defense is going to be tough, though. So that's why I'm really excited to watch Jake Luton play against like a defense that's going to be on him. And see how many mistakes he makes and see how he handles himself against a really probably the best defense in the league. I guess we didn't get to talk about Indianapolis and Tennessee, our division rivals on Thursday night. That was a crazy game, man. Um Tennessee, people are asking questions about them, and the Colts look for real. People are saying that defense is for real. And the Titans, it's kind of hard to judge them this exact second. 
other division rivals, Cleveland and Houston. That might have been the worst NFL game I've ever watched. I was only watching on Red Zone while like the Jaguars are on. Whew. That game was a boring, ugly game. Cleveland up 10-7 towards the very end of the game. With about a minute left, Nick Chubb breaks away for this massive run all alone and steps out of bounds. Was that the right move? What was going on there? They teach you if if you can run the clock out and you get that first down, that allows you to run the clock out without the other team touching the ball, giving them a chance to, you know, miraculously, even though it's very low percentage, to score and onside it and get it back and whatever. You're not supposed to do it, you know. So he just he went down. Um, I don't know what the spread was, but there's probably some pretty upset gamblers about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And fantasy fans out there. And <laughs> I was going to say, it is an exciting year for young quarterbacks. And this includes people who are drafted this year as well in the last, like, you know, one or two years as well. I'm watching these games and I'm asking myself every time I see a team down in the fourth quarter making a comeback, is the quarterback truly the difference maker in winning those games, right? Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of cases, it's pretty obvious they are. Uh, Lamar Jackson couldn't come back against the Patriots because Bill Belichick called on some sort of like supernatural (laughs) monsoon disaster (laughs) to start raining. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Uh, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen were dueling it out uh, uh, in the Bills versus Cardinals in Arizona. And I thought the Bills had gone up for, for good with that sick touchdown to Stefan Diggs, who was caught on the microphone saying, that's why they pay me the big bucks like right after catching them. <laughs> I was cracking the f*** up. But, um, but yeah, so then Kyler Murray, I, good God, he's, he's fun to watch. Man, th- this guy can juke people like it's some sort of Olympic activity. And then he, he breaks away and just launches a ball to the end zone and DeAndre Hopkins goes up and catches it over three defenders in what's now being called the Hail Murray. So <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, am I, am I wrong here? Like, I guess the reason why, you know, despite our love for Minshew and Luton, these guys aren't even remotely be considered as, as the franchise option is because all these other people that are proven super talents out of college are making these huge plays to win games. Yeah. And I was hoping we wouldn't come to this subject, but made a lot of excuses early in the year for Gardner Minshew. And with doing that, we'd compare him to Kyler Murray and kind of put Kyler down to make Minshew look good, which was, I mean, some of it was true, but Kyler Murray is different. He's really good. And the way he throws the ball, it's, it's just amazing. And that last play kind of just proved it. He's, he's everywhere, man. I mean, he's so fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a game changer. See the cannon on that guy? That guy can drive a paw down the football field. It's just a crazy throw, man. He's going left and he's throwing back right, which is, if you know anything about football, if you've touched a football, you should know it's it's not easy to do. And to just sling it 50 yards like that, just pretty much in a, in a great spot, give a receiver a chance. And I thought it was kind of funny how people didn't award the throw, you know, like, give it as much credit as the catch, you know? Like, okay, it's a good catch, good throw, and an amazing catch. But I was like, damn, he got it in a perfect spot and gave his guy the perfect chance. It was crazy. I saw it live, and I was just like, what the hell? The the Sunday Night Football crew were, were talking about it even in their highlights. <laughs> it wasn't even their game. And uh, compared it to an Aaron Rodgers throw, uh, which I believe was a game winner against the Cardinals, to the same end zone. Mm-hmm 
almost the same exact play. It was amazing to go back and watch both of those replays side by side. Yeah, it it definitely was. It was definitely as if you're a football fan, yeah, unless you're a Bills fan, that's really f-ing cool. That was really f-ing cool what happened. Two on Justin Herbert went at it, man, and but the last thing I have to say is congrats to my boy Kirk Cousins. Finally won a Monday night game, man. Big fan of him. And he was pumped up, and I love to see Kirk Cousins pumped up. And the Vikings, man, I don't know if I said it on here. I might have said it on here. They're they're gonna make the playoffs, man. I think uh, Kirk Kirk gave you a shout out in the presser after the game. Did you see that? Did he? What did he say? Yeah, he said he said he turned to the camera. You know, it was like you know they had reporters on Zoom and everything. Yeah. He turned the camera and he said, "I just want to say one last thing." I said, "I said, us son, out in Aurora, Colorado. You like that? You like that?" <laughs> Alrighty, well, thanks for joining us on the Drunken Jaguar. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Drunken Jaguar. I'm Bentley Brown at Weld Brown. And I'm a sad, I'm that youngest sad. We're excited to catch up after the Steelers game, after the Jaguars pull off an upset and uh, fall out of contention for Trevor Lawrence. Yes, sir. Undefeated no more, Pittsburgh. Let's go, Jags. <laughs> go, Jags. <laughs>